Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Battle of the Sexes, directed by Valerie Farris and Jonathan Dayton and released in 2017. The plot of Battle of the Sexes goes something like this. Based on the true story of the 1973 tennis match between world number one Billie Jean King and former men's champion and serial hustler Bobby Riggs. And uh, as we have been doing, first we'll do a little bit of a spoiler-free section telling people whether they should see this movie. Katie, should people see this movie? Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially right now, especially in Australia, people should see this movie. But I think just in general, people should go see it. Not, I mean, it's got a good political message, but also it's really entertaining. It's really well put together. It looks great. Terrific performances. Definitely go see this movie. Yeah, yeah. really great sports movie on top of being really important politically and relevant as it ever was um, mm-hmm. in, in with the way, well, with a whole bunch of things, which we'll get into more in the episode. Um, but I it also, um, I got that feeling at the end that I got while I was watching Wonder Woman earlier mm. in the year when Billie Jean on her stupid throne that they put <laughs> her on comes out onto the court. I felt like I did watching Diana leap over into no man's land. Mm. It was really exciting and I just, I want that feeling more. Yeah. Um, and and also, yeah, everything Katie said, um, it's just absolutely worth seeing. And I'm, I was a bit sad that it was such a small, like our theatre was a bit quiet this afternoon. Mm. It might just be that it's a public holiday and the weather is nice and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, even if you're not into tennis, even if you're not into sports, it's absolutely worth going to see. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think people should go see it. So I suppose we should uh, sound spoiler warning now. And if you haven't seen it, although it's based on real historical events, um, if you didn't most live people have it, heard of this tennis match, so you probably know the outcome. Heard of it? So I mean, listen, don't listen. Um, but obviously, we're going to to spoil both the movie and the actual historical event that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, I've been excited about this movie for a few weeks now because it's been sort of buzzing around mm. the internet. And I'm really glad I went to see it. it. There's certainly been a lot of buzz that it was really good yeah. recently. And the movie is just, it's really good. Like, yeah. it's so entertaining and so gripping and so interesting. It really gets you into the, like, private lives of these people and their mindset and things like mm. that. It's really nicely, cleverly put together. Mm. I, um, yeah, I mean, I heard they were making this about a year ago and I mm. was so excited. I grew up in a really sporty family. And I grew up hearing about this game and hearing about people like Billie Jean King um, and the, those players of that era, the Chris Everts and the um, Martina Navratilova a little bit later on. Um, and so I just was very excited as like a bit of a tennis fan. And obviously when I heard Emma Stone was involved, I, was, I sort of thought you can sort of rely on her to do the right thing. Um, and then mm. it, it turns mm. out. There's always Aloha. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then it turns out that Steve Carell was the right choice to play Bobby Riggs. Oh, yeah, well. I knew great. nothing about Bobby Riggs, which tells you everything you need to know about the outcome of this match, that everyone's heard of Billie Jean King and who the hell is Bobby Riggs? Mm. Um, I mean, it turns out he won Wimbledon and all that kind of stuff and, you know, he's probably sort of because he was older, he's passed from memory, but that sort of was enough to, you know, tells you what you need to know about this game. But he was a really good choice uh, to play Bobby Riggs. Having a comedian play mm. uh, such a – shameless self-promoting hustler mm. uh i think works really well for the character and oh for yeah the film like i'm hit and miss on steve carell mm. let's not forget fox catcher or maybe we do want to because that was I, hell. G- genuinely i had until right this minute <sighs> i hate that movie so much but um in this movie he really gets the balance right and looking at the photos afterwards mm. it seems like he really did he looks like, like he was, him he looks like him but he also that he 
like physically kind of seems like him. Mm. Um, and the stuff that he did in this movie seems very sort of a right, the right fit for mm. that role. Um, he did a really good job. He didn't kind of over like outshine everybody else that he was with, mm. but he managed to do that filling up the room thing that, that, the wife said Bobby uh, Bobby Riggs did. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many Bobbies and Billies and Larrys and Barrys. Oh, my God. The Larrys and Barrys were so confusing. <laughs> there's two Larrys and a Barry in this movie and I was just lost. I was like, who are we talking about yeah. now? Oh, um, yeah, totally. Um, but, yeah, and when um, – and when the fight goes out of him, when he realizes that he's losing the match, and he does this, makes this last ditch psychological attempt to win by pretending that he's injured, or maybe he really was injured, he was old. You, you sort of see the fight go out of him, mm. like you, you see him on the court, and and he's actually taking this seriously. Yeah, for once. that was so, that match was so much fun to watch. They really did that well. Mm. Um, I think. I mean, I just think this was a really well-made film as well. Yeah. Like, I was really appreciating the kind of the direction, the use of space and place mm. to set tone. Like, yeah. the the shot going over that dome where they did the final mm. um, match set the epic kind of tone of the match so effectively yeah. just by having the shot that pans over the top of it. Yeah, because, um, I, like, I didn't know all that detail. I didn't know they played in such a big venue because mm. – this obviously it's out of living memory for most of the audience and you kind of like, yeah it really gives you an idea of what it felt like yeah. um in fact billie jean king's been you know on the media circuit for the film and she's been talking about how like because of the era in which it happened it just got so a level of publicity that you can't get now mm. because all you have is like you know tv and radio and mainstream media and so everybody was watching it and everybody was talking about it and i, I think the film did a good job of showing the scale yeah, it did. And it was really, um, it really kind of builds you up to it and, and gets you excited mm. for it. The little montages beforehand and everything. It uses all of these film techniques really effectively. But I did, I liked the way it was shot. I appreciated a lot of the scenes. There's I, a scene as well when, um, the girlfriend, Marilyn's coming out of the hotel room and mm. walks and like they have, first they have the shot of the court and then the hotel with all the interesting balconies coming mm, out. Mm. And then she comes out of that room and it's down this hallway that's like this seventies. And I was like, this is all so, carefully done and really well put mm. together and I and I appreciate it as well that there's a kind of graininess to the film that makes yeah. it really feel like it's from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um I just thought, you know, all of that stuff, everything about the detail with which it was made was really good. It, and there was a Kodak credit on the end, so I'm assuming it was shot on film. Yeah. As well. It looked um, like it was shot on film. Yeah, it did. Uh the the bit I the one that I thought the actually the whole the whole Astrodome thing where tiny Billy comes down the stairs and there's just this whole circus going on around her and nobody even notices. Mm. They actually repeat the shot because she, um, when she goes off into the change room after the game is over and she talks to Alan Cumming and then walks back out, she's just all alone in the doorway and mm. then this whole other circus. So it just is a really wonderful visual symbol of how it's bigger than her. Mm. And I thought that was really well done as well. Yeah, they do a lot of that. The scene where um, Elizabeth Shue shows up in Bobby's dressing room at the end, mm. how he's like framed on one side with a lot of the building, the room on the other side, and then she's framed on the other side so that they're like matching kind yeah. of. Like the, the, it's like they're looking at each other, but you she's know, also dressed being in tennis white. together and things. Yeah, exactly. It's mm. just. It's all really neatly done, and she, and mm. then um, Billy Jean is alone at the end of it, and yeah. fra is framed as being alone and stuff like that. It's mm. really, I don't know. It's really, really. You can see how much care and and effort was put into this. Every single actor in it is really doing a good job and giving mm. it their best. 
Um, I just uh, yeah, appreciate actually that, that alone bit just makes me think of how you know the aloneness of being the greatest player in the mm. world. I mean, the absolute dedication to the sport. It kind of shows you that while still making her relatable, which I mm. think is it is a really fine line to walk. It shows how hard she works and how much she wants it and how much she loves tennis and winning above all else. Yeah, and it doesn't sort but it of doesn't, present her as flawless or mm. Bobby Riggs as like, you know, a terrible person or anything. Everything mm. is kind of balanced, which is really good. It works really well for the movie and we mm. get to see a lot more kind of nuance than you sometimes see in especially movies like this because it's, you know, a triumphant sports movie. They tend yep. to go for broad strokes and – yeah. And um, big caricatures and things. Yeah. I'm, and I mean, in its own way, though, it has to be revolutionary because it's about mm. a queer sportswoman. Mm. Um, and so it shows. Man, the timing of this movie, like, yeah. especially in Australia, is so. They yeah. couldn't have known when they were making it how prescient it would well, be. But I mean, to have it. Margaret Court's been pretty horrible for a number of years yeah, now. But, but to have it now when the, the um, same sex marriage plebiscite is going on yeah. and this movie comes out right in the middle of it with a, like, Queer woman as the hero and Margaret Court as, as one the of antagonist. The yep, <laughs> like it's really kind of and the just it's at the end of it when Alan Cumming, her fairy godfather, comes up to her and is like, mm. you know, one day we'll be allowed to be in love with who we want, but for now you've done this and let's go mm. celebrate it and stuff. And he's so great. Yeah, <laughs> and and Billy um, Billy Jean at this point in her career had such a long fight ahead of her mm. um, because when it came out in the 80s that she'd had affairs with women, she lost millions in sponsorship. Mm. She had to keep playing because there were lawsuits that happened over her relationships with women and it just like she really has had to fight her whole career um, just to kind of get people to even recognise her, to respect her in any mm. way. And um, yeah, she's... And she still does it too. She's, I mean, even, even now you, she's still standing up for Serena Williams, for the players now who are facing facing something similar. Like Serena Williams has a whole racial aspect to it yeah. that Billy didn't have to face, but Billy had to be the first yes, exactly. in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, but the things they said to her, are, they said about her, are the same as, as what they say about Serena. They criticise her body. They t- talk yeah. about her being manly. And then um, and the, the scene at the end where she, uh, after the game, where she goes and has a little cry in in the dressing room. Now, obviously, there's all the stuff going on in her personal life that's a problem at that point, but there's also the the aspect of just really? how hard a fight it is yeah, and how hard and how you can win, but mm. you're still not winning. You still have to keep fighting. And I think that oh, was – Oh, yeah, I think there's something about to be said in this movie about, like, celebrating the, you know, mm. the little victories along the Which way. Which is what Alan Cummings says to her, yeah. and she does – and she goes out and she celebrates because every other woman in that place. And you see, and I love they do a lovely thing where they like they show the waitress in the men's club and like these all these just the women in the hairdressers and all just, these people that the movie is set up to. Like they it mm. gives you all of this setup for things so that you don't forget. Like we've seen movies recently where we've been like, who is that guy again? I don't remember this person mm. being in the movie and stuff. But this movie is made so that you kind of each person has their little moment and you remember that for later yeah. and things. It's really cool. Yeah, and every single one of those women has a um, Wonder Woman going over the top into no man's land moment. Yeah. They all, they're all excited and they didn't know they were going to be. Mm. And, again, it's all about how much bigger than Billy it is. Yeah, exactly, while also keeping the focus on her. It's really clever. Mm. Yeah, and the actual personal toll that it takes on her mm. and the aloneness and the, the fight of yeah. being her. 
I don't know. I'm sick today. Yeah, no, no. That's, sorry, sorry. I, I just like, I had a big monologue and I thought I'd leave, but that's okay. Um, um, but I'm the tennis fan, and so I'm kind of like, yeah. You know much more about ex- sports I'm than kind I of do. Much more excited about this. But I was spending a lot of the movie going, where do I know this person from? I well, I mean, I did a bit of that as well because um, there's a lot of that guy actors in this. movie. Yeah, well, because um, Austin Stoll, who plays Billie Jean's husband, Larry King, not um, the Larry, not the King, Larry King, King, obviously. Um, he like he he's got this sort of genericness, like he he just looks like a handsome blonde tall fella yeah um but even but he is imbued with quite a bit of humanity like Mm. he and he's complex as well they after this match they stayed married another 14 years even though like she was kind of exploring her sexuality even though there was it seems in this movie as though he is well aware of that and well i I think in real life he was well aware of that and they had a successful business partnership which i didn't know like i didn't know anything about him and he but he was a tennis player in his own right but he it seems like he's he basically managed her and went on tour and helped her mm. career because he knew you know who was the real talent in the family which in its own way in the 1960s and 70s when they were married like that's pretty revolutionary for a husband to go you know I'm going to support you but the funny thing is you see Barry and Margaret bloody court doing exactly the same thing. Margaret Court is breadwinner for her family and she's acting like, oh, I've got such traditional values and oh, I'm so special because I'm a mother. But she's out there breadwinning for the family. She's got a husband who supports her on tour and looks after the baby. Yeah. And she's weight training. Yeah. Which is just like it's this grand tradition of conservative and Christian women, like conservative Christian women everywhere to be like – completely the opposite of the thing they're preaching you to be just the hypocrisy whereas in 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 the king family it seems like they have an arrangement and they it works for them up to a point there's a real calculating nature to margaret court in this movie as well Mm. really kind of cold calculating like she wants billy jean to stay on the tour because she thinks that she's messing up because she's like having these affairs and things there's it's really uh this interesting portrayal of her well she's rather than ruthless just- too like she's number one she, not even serena has passed margaret court's record yet she mm. will but she hasn't yet and she is ruthless mm. you only get to be at the top of your game like that to be by being ruthless it's not just that though she it's it's not just like ruthless on the court she's like ruthless yeah in general in yeah, exactly. life but yeah no it is there's in a way the, that Billie Jean is not presented as and uh, well she's so she seems so much more conscious of her image as well like mm. the you know the marriage and the babies and the um it reminded me of that bit and when the they're big collars they're all watching the tennis match all the um mm. the tour women and and with um Alan coming <laughs> they were talking about the dress and they were like it's one of Ted's dresses and we allowed to not like it. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm standing right well, here. I liked that. That well, was funny. The costume I, I think was the- interesting too in the tennis dresses though because obviously you have Alan Cummings' character and his partner is like the, the two are costumers. No, they're not called costumers when it's like sporting apparel, is it? But anyway, they're dressing them. They're the designers who, who do all the dresses. Sports and, costumes. But you can like Margaret Court has a specific way of dressing. She's yeah. very into the big collars. And when she plays the Battle of the Sexes match, she comes out in full-on Australian green and gold. Mm. Like big time, Yay. and Billie Jean sort of worries less about it. Although she wears the most awesome blue suede Adidas mm-hmm. sneakers in the final game, which is again interesting because both um, what Billy, uh, not Billy, Bobby takes off his jacket event. She's wearing a sponsor jacket because, of course, he is. But they they're both in blue and white mm. for that, which is uh, like obviously I presume that's the real the real game happened like that, and there was a choice made about who wears what colors. 
But um, it was an interesting costuming choice. Yeah. But, yeah, the that image consciousness thing with Margaret Court was mm. interesting. She's much more image conscious than Billie Jean, and Billie Jean doesn't want to be but kind of has to be, I mm. think, to a great yeah. extent. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the whole um, the whole haircut thing. Well, there's an interesting sort of kind of level on, of this movie of her relationship with Marilyn mm. in that it's portrayed as very, like, feminine. Yeah. Like it's got a lot of makeup and hair involved. She was a mm. hair the Marilyn's a hairdresser. She that's mm. how she meets her and yeah, she in, gets in this the haircut film, and by she's the way, like, not oh, necessarily this is gonna... that's not what happened in real life, but yes. Okay, I don't yeah. know. She was her assistant in real life. But yeah. And she was like, Oh, this haircut's gonna change your life and mm. she's like, Oh, I've never felt that way about a haircut before and then later on that she puts some ma- lipstick on her and yeah. stuff like that. It's this kind of like I'm wondering what the movie's doing with that because there's this kind of concept of Billie Jean is being very masculine and mm. and to have the relationship portrayed as being very feminine and yeah. a very feminizing influence on her is interesting yeah. and weird. Well, I mean, you do have an idea of Billie Jean as masculine, but I don't know that Billie Jean has an idea of Billie Jean no. as masculine. And she certainly, like, she does talk about, you know, when she was a kid wearing shorts because she couldn't afford a dress, but she always chooses to wear a dress when we but see her play. that's another part as well where, where, um, where Bobby talks about like male chauvinist pig versus hairy legged feminist and mm. she's like, Oh, I shaved my legs. Mm. And there's always this kind of need to prove that no, you are actually a woman. And yeah, I do fit and, into and the her feminine. jewelry as well. Like the big wedding ring and she's always got the two gold chains and the big gold bracelet and mm. stuff like that. She's um even though, you know, in terms of she doesn't really care about her hair, just keep it out of my face and she wears sort of very daggy glasses. Um she Were they daggy in the seventies? I, 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 they even look a little daggy in the seventies, but I, I mean, I, it's hard to. T- I think she did look a little daggy even then. Mm. Um, and, and well, there is this comment about how if she let her hair grow and took mm. the glasses off, she could be a movie star. Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, and that's a, a lot of that's around the policing of women mm. in terms yeah. of what's you know, if you're a queer woman, then you must do femininity a certain way, and if you're too femme, you're not really queer. And if you're, so she's like trying to. They're they're trying to, I think, deal with the you know, too butch to be a lesbian but too femme to be really lesbian, you know, that that kind of dichotomy. Mm. It's um, just interesting. Yeah, that, oh, I think it's fascinating. It's so kind of much of their relationship is around like really kind of feminine ideas, mm. um, feminine yeah. images and things. And even yeah. right at the beginning, their first flirtation scene <laughs> where mm. it's all like all close-ups with their hair and things like that is really mm. telling. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never seen a haircut with a happy ending before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really, um, <laughs> it was very uh, intense. That yeah, it was. Like, we can't have any sex scenes in this movie, so let's just make this haircut scene into a sex scene, basically. Yeah, I think I, I do wonder. Um, we've got a. It's actually co-directed by a woman. Yeah. This movie, and I, I do wonder if some of that more nuance around that sort of stuff comes out in that. And there's also, um, I, I know that later on women's tennis becomes associated with lesbianism for a while, but I think at this point it hadn't mm. um, because – It's also edited by a woman, this movie. Yeah. Um, be- because Which I think is – might have Like Natalie Morales' character was gay as well. Um, whose name I've forgotten. Rosie. Rosie. Casal. Rosie Casal. Something. But there's no sort of mention or even really a hint of it in this film. Maybe well, like a they, little, little bit. But I think that the, the fact that um, – She's so supportive, and then like they yeah. have, they come out of it the closest. I think yeah. might be sort of a little hint to that, like right. That and this is still and, and there's these rumors going on around the tour about yeah. 
her and Rosie's kind of sticks and like with they've, her and they've sticks played up for with her. timelines and facts and things around to, so that they could put the Marilyn relationship up against the the game and all that kind of stuff. But they there was sort of only so much time shifting they could do, and all mm. and those battles I think didn't come until a few years later. Which battles? The battles about oh, queer women in goodness. tennis. Okay, yeah. I think also you don't want to shift focus too much, like, but putting mm. personal and professional in the same. Um, That's true. Film is a bit different from the, you know, adding on a whole other layer to the. But and I like that it's messy. I like that it doesn't resolve. Like mm. she wants to stay married to her husband, and it gives us decent reasons for her to stay married. The whole, what was the other movie we were talking about this the other week? Like about business partnerships and marriages. And it was um, it was girls trip. Girl, yeah, but yeah, the, the like there's actual reason. He he's presented with quite a bit of nuance and sympathy. I think. Well, everybody and, in this movie is. I mean, yeah. everybody. And, I, but you, you also, like, you understand the whole, like, the desire for stability for somebody to support her because she's in such a hard position. Yeah. Having having that stability at home is is important to her. But then there's also, you see her falling in love for the first time, really falling in love in that way that you do when you fall in love for the first time and it's completely knocks her sideways. Mm. And um, also one of the other things I really, really liked was during the match you see – this creepy old news guy. Oh, yeah. Like with his arm around Rosie and trying to get Rosie on screen. Mm. And Rosie is so uncomfortable and yeah. she hates it so much. And she's like so kind of fumbling over. And she she was like Billie Jean's pick to – To commentate, yeah. Commentate. And she's clearly not done it before and she's so mm. nervous. But, you know, she – And and she's really, up, up with this guy. It's, I think it's Howard Cresel who's a well-known sports commentator. Mm. And – and he's the less patronizing pick of the commentators, not the Bill yeah. Pullman character who's just so awful that, like, he's untenable. I mean, he's also awful because he kicked them out of the LTA. But it's really interesting to see Billie Jean's kind of breakdown of how, like, for Bobby this is all for show. Mm. He isn't a genuine misogynist. He just plays one for TV, basically, yeah. for money, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas Bill Pullman's character is a, genuine yeah. sex like he just genuinely thinks that men are better yeah um and she kind of makes that distinction and goes it's all right for me to play against bobby but i can't have you commentating it yeah mm. i think that's that is actually really, really interesting yes i think it was interesting because that that was one of the things that actually happens during the match when billy mm. uh, when bobby starts to to lose he starts to get cranky <laughs> and it's and I I he leaned over really become like I leaned never, over and said to you can't you take a joke as in because that's yes. exactly what you performative and non performative misogynists say all the time and I to said women, not the jokes on him women and queer people right but mm. the film doesn't actually say that explicitly no. the film just shows it which but, is amazing but it also shows like he even at that point he never kind of there's no point at which he's like crosses a line into being sexist, like calling her a bitch, no, or doing any of that kind of thing that you you do see. Like, no, he from- n- he never does. He's all about making jokes about. Mm. I mean, he you know, and he objectifies other women, but not Billy or Margaret for that matter. Yeah. Um, and he you know he'll play the jokes and he'll do all that, but he, and in real life, apparently they actually formed. If, if not a friendship, like at least a, a good acquaintanceship. Yeah. Like they kept in touch um, for the rest of his life. And I think they, through the process, developed some kind of respect to one another. And he, I don't, I mean, I don't think he ever didn't respect them and he knew what he was doing. Yeah. There is a through line in this movie of this hypocrisy of male chauvinism of like the concept that men 
are the main breadwinners is clearly being, you know, is clearly yeah. not true in any of these situations. Bobby Riggs's life is being bankrolled by his wife. Mm-hmm. Billie Jean is the main breadwinner in her household. So is Margaret Court. Yep. Um, they keep proving over and over that this is not the case. Yeah. Um, a lot of those women were single and making money for themselves and things like yeah, that. Or, or gay. Or, and then Sarah Silverman's character, who we haven't actually talked about, Gladys. She's, she's so good in this. The manager. She's running this. She's so yeah. good in this. It's a great Sarah Silverman part too. A bit like with um with Steve Carell. It's a good role for a comedian, but it also it it's not too much. Mm. And she's never too much. Um, and she's like perfectly in pitched in, in this, this. In this, because I was like, it doesn't sound like Sarah Silverman. But she it sounds was. like a person. Yeah, Sarah Silverman really plays up that voice a lot, and she really plays it down in this mm-hmm. movie. That was because I was I recognized her face, but I was like, but it doesn't sound like her, which kind of threw me for a bit. But yeah, she was really really good. I mean, I just think everybody did. Everybody. It seems like it was a movie where, with a lot of like, you know, everybody was supported and yeah. To, to I mean, it, it's um do good performances and make good choices and it's an interesting one because it's movie. recent enough that it's still in living memory you know for people around today mm. but it's also old enough that it's kind of another era it's definitely historic looking mm. back in history but they've also really picked their moment to do it mm. when things are going you know badly in the world when there's a whole resurgence of of sexism and racism and other and really horrible fascism and all this kind of stuff happening in the world, it's actually interesting to look back on a time um, when the women's rights movement was just emerging. And and it's kind of I I think it is interesting. It's also like Billie Jean's still things, around to promote the movie, and she has been. A lot of these things, the dialogue shifts and the mm. the the things people call each other and the words that people use for things all change. But th- there's this kind of core of it that doesn't change. Yeah. And it didn't change from movies that we've seen about women's suffrage, like, mm. you know, the 1800s and early 1900s. It doesn't change in movies that we see. Like, it, it just sort of, even though the dialogue around it keeps changing, there's this basic idea which Billie Jean kind of explains to one reporter she when she goes you know your do you think your father is better than your mother just because he's a man mm. <laughs> like you there's this and she says i never said that women were better than men i just wanted some equal like some respect mm-hmm. you know and that's the kind of the core and idea is we're still there yeah we're still there and it but it, the thing is they were still there 50 years before this movie was mm. on it mm-hmm. was made as well or was set as well you know that it just doesn't change that there's this you they keep changing the rhetoric around it yeah and they keep trying to but the move same the goalposts core, yeah that's oh moving the goalposts that's exactly right um, the same core of misogyny is there yeah and the same core of but not just misogyny it's it's also proving a point about you know lgbtq rights as the next mm. sort of you know big civil rights thing that would happen and mm, stuff like mm. that it, it's all kind of tied into its into each other and and how we continue to disrespect people who don't fit into the white cis male kind of mm. um that they're thought of as like the standard and anybody who doesn't fit into that yeah is less yes um and it just continues yeah actually one of the interesting things is we see Margaret Court being openly homophobic about Billie Jean and gay women she says nothing about the dress designer yeah. who's openly gay. Now, I wonder if in 1973 that kind of flamboyant coding wasn't such a thing, especially for a oh, sheltered was. Australian girl from Albury. But 
I, do, I mean, it seems unlikely to me. Like, why, that kind why of flamboyant is, coding was a thing in movies in right, the 70s yeah. So and why, is, why the double standard? Why is she so against um, Billie Jean? Probably and then, because like, the, the um, probably hairdresser the in his, I mean, not, not hairdresser, the dr- designer's in his place. Yes, that's true. And he Billie is, Jean is not. Billie yeah. Jean is trying to beat her. Billie Jean is in the like is, the is, competition yeah. with her. Uh-huh. And she is like not – she's married and she's not, you know, doing things the way she's supposed to be doing no. them. And that's a problem and she for people like Margaret Court. Yeah. And, and um, it's not mentioned in the movie, but Billie Jean King had had an abortion just a couple of years earlier. Okay. Whereas, and Margaret Court, of course, is – as you know, become a mother and and suddenly acts like she's a saint because she had a child. I'm sure she probably acted similarly before she had a child. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't um, surprise me. But she does seem to make a thing of it. Oh yeah, she. Does. I mean, I, I don't. Mean, the I don't know massacre. that it wasn't actually. I, I don't know how big of a thing it was back then because there is another Australian player, Yvonne Goolagong, who um is an Aboriginal woman, and she won Wimbledon while pregnant a couple a few years after this. Wow. Um. Yeah, so Serena wasn't the first, um, but it, she she won Wimbledon while pregnant and had I think two kids and kept playing. Mm. Um, so I I wonder if like I don't know if Margaret Court was she, she was the first woman to do that to kind of have a kid and keep playing, but she certainly acts like she is. Look, yeah, but I mean she also acts. That's the thing is that she's also Margaret Court. But so. the, but the thing about that also is that she's trying to use all of that kind of publicity to her advantage, and mm. then it gets turned against her as soon as she loses to Bobby Rick. Yeah, well, she she's but trying. The, literally, the thing the event was called the Mother's Day Massacre yeah. because they t- they talk about getting footage from the Mother's Day Massacre, yep. massacre courtesy of wherever. And it's actually so, an interesting lesson is that even if you try to be the model minority, even if you try and follow all the men's rules, which, I mean. Margaret Court thinks she is. She's not. But even if you try and follow all those rules, they will be turned against you. Mm. You can't win. Yeah. There's, there's, I just really like this movie. I was just thinking mm. about this other moment. You know when Bobby Riggs' son Larry, yeah. not um the not the husband Larry, yep. but when he um is at the top of the escalator and he goes, oh, I'm not going to come to the match with you because you don't need me. Yeah. And you're just like, that's so sad. It is. But I also – It was such a good moment. It was a great moment because I really felt for Larry Riggs at that point because, yeah. I, I mean, I know what it's like to have a disappointing, gambling, addicted old dad. Like, mm. I know what that feels like and I sort of – this is a kid who he's kind of I mean, been he's through – he's an adult. Well, he's an adult, yeah. but he's been through – he's have been having to parent his parent yeah. for a long time. Like he's the one whose doorstep Bobby turns up on mm-hmm. after he's been kicked out by Priscilla. Like you, you feel all that history in that yeah. moment when he just says, it's okay, dad, you don't need me. And he, he doesn't even, not even, he doesn't even follow his dad down. He doesn't even stay in the stadium. He goes and watches it in a hotel room. Yep. Um, when we were watching the credits, I was like, what are, what are the odds that Lewis Pullman, who played Larry Riggs, uh, is uh, actually Bill Pullman, who played whatever his character's name stupid was. Stupid misogynist And that guy. is true. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lewis Pullman is, in fact, Bill, 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 Bill Pullman's, Pullman's son. <laughs> so he was um, benefiting from nepotism that kind of himself. nepotism himself. Yes. But anyway, um, there's an irony in that somewhere, I'm sure. Mm. I loved the sense of like time in this movie, too. I think... That mm. that I love movies that really commit to an aesthetic like that, like the first <laughs> Captain America movie, and yeah, things yeah, where like because yeah. even you know right down to the film grain and the music and the music they used was like apart from the use of Rocket Man, 
was mostly stuff that is not still popular. I wonder if Rocketman was Elton John saying, if this is for Billy, <laughs> yeah. I will, you can use whatever you like. And the, the filmmakers have gone, sweet, we get a song for free. Yeah, and also, you know, like that's also in a moment with her falling in love with Yeah, you know, it's, with it's Marilyn well and it's, used. Yes. Very well used. Um, and it's making a very clear point about gay performers and, and yeah. things like that. But, yeah, um, the, the other songs in it were songs that set time and place really well without – like being necessarily things that we're still familiar with. It's not a cliche soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I well, just think, I think all was, of it. I love all yeah. of it. Yeah. And the, well, they did that well with all the production design too. Like we talked yeah. about the costumes, but we also things like or when they get to the airport and they race and they have to put quarters in the mm-hmm. TV. Um, and, and that was really fun to watch. The, the haircuts and the way people dress and like the way, uh, even the way you see like, Billie Jean versus Rosie versus Margaret and the way they dress and the way they present themselves still very much of that time and that era, but they all have distinctive styles. Even all, I mean, all of the the, um, tennis players on that circuit do, Mm. like they're all getting different kind of haircuts and things. That's right, yeah. presenting themselves differently. Peaches has a whole different look of her own and things like that. It's really fun and interesting. And and, um, there's this shot of um, Bobby Riggs in that Rolls Royce that he won and then he's watching TV and then you get a long shot of it to show how lonely he is or whatever. But I, it just – it's a really kind of good um, juxtaposition. Mm, and the, yeah, and the men's – the like gentlemen's club kind of era where um, Bill Pullman's character goes, the sort of men's only club where they mm. all smoke cigars. But then you, and you contrast that with the not dissimilar but sort of dissimilar where Bobby Riggs and John C. McGinley and all these other friends hang out and big bet on each other playing tennis, like mm. those sort of um, boys, boys club, club spaces. Um, and, and, again, made very 70s by the smoking and the drinking and the like the way of the way they talk about the sort of language that they use, the way they talk with each other and about Sarah women. Silverman's character in the smoking was was great too. Yeah, because she's like it's Virginia Slims, Virginia Slims, <laughs> and the, none of the tennis players smoke. Of no, because so. they're all healthy and they're you know athletic and whatnot. Oh, it's an interesting actually because like obviously Virginia Slims were the like the one pe- people who they could get to sponsor them, but at the same time, like yeah, it's There's terrible. A great balance in this movie between making it cinematic and making it like exciting and interesting keeping the you know tension high and stuff and presenting it like everybody's real people and um these are real things that really happen to people like there's a really nice balance there between you know because sometimes they don't get the balance right people that there's too slavish uh recreation of what really happened Mm. and they don't they don't want to change anything that really happened so they won't put together a movie well Mm. or they just ditch reality completely in order to make like a movie that is yeah um, and and they've done that well and like i said the things that they did change like marilyn's profession and the timeline of that relationship mm. work really well having the 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 crisis go down with marilyn and larry and and billy like it makes perfect sense with the leading up to the climax of the film and it, mm. um, and it allows you to have things like the last minute rush to Houston from Maryland and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, where they've done that, they've done that for good reasons of making a good story. And, I mean, it, it's not just about the factual truth, it's about capturing the emotional truth and I think yeah. that does a really good job of yeah. that kind of giving Billie Jean something to work through that has – such emotional weight that there's so much going on in her life but she can't disentangle the personal from the professional and there's a comment from bill pullman's character about how the best players do you know don't don't let emotion affect Mm. their game and stuff but then really like 
emotion guides a lot of Billie Jean's, you know, decisions, and they're not always bad ones. She emotion guides her decision to to play Bobby and her desire to beat him, and she wins. Yeah, you know, she like, does. It's it. And the, the, the training montage is so well done as well. I think Bobby, like with her working so hard. Well, well, and Bobby Bo- just like Billy's working hard around. on Bobby's, yeah, and taking all those uh, those vitamins from Fred Armisen's character, uh, yeah, which is would would be illegal now, by the way. Yes, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, the comment about by um Bill Pullman's character about emotion. Yeah, I think anybody who's been on the internet and has argued as a feminist on the internet always gets that. We always get told that. Like, stop being emotional. You have to be logical. Logic is the only way to win arguments. Logic, You have to have logic and facts and rationality for arguments and things like that. And it's this the oldest line in the book to try and discredit feminism. Mm. It is. It's to discredit lo- women. To discredit women. Um, but, because, but feminism is, is about women. It's about promoting mm. women to be equal to men, right? Mm. And it is the, the one of the oldest tricks in the book to go, I'm setting you up at the beginning to fail because I've decided that you're irrational. I, I get to be the person who decides whether or not you're being rational. Mm-hmm. When so much of their arguments are always rooted in emotion mm. and irrationality. It's you're taking my toys away and I want them yeah. <laughs> and you can't have them. And yet they just talk about it as if like you cannot possibly win this argument because your arguments will never be logical enough. Mm. And it's something that's used in online and in real life and everything to just discredit women all the time mm. because and it gets whole- so frustrating. You get frustrated and then as soon as you're frustrated, as soon as you show emotion, uh. you're out. And that yep. Billie Jean kind of feels that as well and she hides a lot of her emotion like behind closed doors and in private so mm. that when she's in public, she smiles and she laughs at Bobby's jokes and she doesn't put him down and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And she's the perfect kind of, um, and I saw this as well in, in some stuff before the movie where they were like, Oh, and she never kind of insulted him or anything. She just played the game and won. And it's that it's again, this model minority thing. You can yeah. never put a foot out of line as soon as you do. And it's the, with the same sex marriage debate, it's the yes versus no campaign. Oh, the yes people are bullying us. Mm. As if, you know, people haven't been bullying LGBTQ people for yeah as long as they've been alive and they don't have a concept of what bullying is. But it is that this, you know, you're too emotional. Yeah. You're wrong because you're too emotional. Yeah, and it's utter and bullshit. It's, dis- it's just a way of discrediting people. Yeah, because all his decisions are all based around emotion. And we see are. how important emotion is to to Bobby and emotion's the basis of gambling. Like, yeah. And Bobby has a whole speech about how – he loves the thrill of gambling. Yeah. What is that if not an appeal to his emotions? Yeah. Well, that, I think um, you're kind of conflating Bobby and, and Jack. I think it's Jack, the um, Bill Pullman character. Yeah. Because well, it's I mean, not – Bobby doesn't talk about like women are too emotional. No, he doesn't talk about – no, but you see how emotion affects him. Yes. And he – as the sort of main male character that we see – we see how his decisions are affected by emotion. Yeah, we and see how we it see affects how it Larry. Dis- we see how, but I mean, uh, how it discredits that kind of concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting to put those two men, like the mm. the true believer in misogyny versus the like showman, the guy yeah. who's benefiting from all of it, the guy who doesn't really believe in it, but mm. is kind of the one who's benefiting from it. It's really interesting, mm. and it's so kind of relevant now. Mm-hmm. That there's all these true believers behind the stream, behind the scenes pulling the strings. Yeah, yeah, and and there are people who will say that they're not really a true believer; they're just doing it to get attention. But 
they are obviously because of the you know language that they use and the actual disrespect that they show. Yeah, there are also people who aren't who are truly heinous people who yeah. just don't believe in anything and will do anything to get a buck, like Milo Yiannopoulos, who definitely doesn't believe no anything. Yeah, yeah. that he he will spout literally anything in order to mm. continue the self. I mean, he that's yeah. what Bobby Riggs made me think of. Yeah, yeah, is his heinous heinous views on things that's actually interesting because and yeah how, but but all of that all of that is because you look at how like, controversy well yeah and in the in the background like when um like laurie penny traveled with him for a bit mm. the the journalist yeah. and found him quite like one-on-one was like who is this person he's like mm-hmm. no i'm i'm doing this because this gets me attention i'm not doing this because like i, I mean you know he may have some level of genuineness but yeah. I, well, yeah. I don't know how much of the level of genuineness, mm. genuineness actually but exists. It's far more there. dangerous, far more dangerous for to have a person like Bill Pullman's character who is all like, "But I respect <laughs> women. I've been married for thirty years. That's not what she asked you." Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. He is a. He doesn't know. He doesn't that even he is know a misogynist. What a terrible person he. Like he doesn't know. And yet he, he thinks he's the good guy. Yeah. Whereas the Bobby Riggs and the Milo Yiannopoulos of the world, they know. Well, they're no, but they're bags. really dangerous. They're, they're, they're equally they're dangerous. Diff- because, but it's different. But but you can see the effect that Bobby is having on, like, impressionable Other young men, men who, who suddenly wear the have permission the, yeah. to – Yeah. I mean, people have said that about um, Donald Trump, but I think he genuinely hates anyone who's not him. But yeah, it's that, it, that sort of giving over permission – to the Donald Trump's not smart enough. It's no, but Bobby Riggs is was gay. He was giving overt permission to mm. men to actually say the things that he was saying while being charming and funny about it. And there's the a lot of those yeah. guys can't see the difference. They don't know the difference between no. that stuff. And he is doing it all for show, but it's it just makes it worse. Yeah. You know. Anyway, it's all right. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, should we give out ratings? I'm going to give it five stars. Yeah. Um, I can't think of it. The only thing I didn't like, in literally in the whole movie, the only thing I didn't like was the at the very end, there's text that comes up on screen that's like, things did change for Billie Jean King. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, I was happy I, with it just as a self-contained movie. I didn't need that. Bit. I have a feeling that I, I feel like Billie Jean approved that text. I do too. And um, I think that's because they had the real people involved and, yeah. you know, they wanted to give them. But I just don't – I think yeah. it would have been better as a self-contained story that like we know about her continued fight or people can look up her continued fight without us having to be told it, it's just kind yeah. of a, a mawkish yeah. thing that doesn't fit with this movie this movie is never mawkish or preachy or like that kind of saccharine yeah feeling that i got from that that i don't like yeah um it's genuine and it's uplifting the in one a real surprise way. in that text was that bobby and priscilla got back together i actually like, knew that yeah but I'd, Only because I've read some stuff before this. I just didn't even – you know, the way the story goes, you think, yeah, you know what, he's going to have to learn. But, mm. yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, she does come to the game and everything. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. When they when they, when she comes back and he's – they're paired up, up with him being so lonely, just like mm. in the corner of the frame with all of this space on the other side, and then she comes in and fills up that space. That's yeah. what that's kind of indicating. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I – Seeing as you've gone five stars, I can't think of a reason not to give it five stars as well. And I'm considering the other things I gave five stars to this year, what Dunkirk, and I didn't actually give five stars to The Beguiled, but it deserved it. Um, yeah, I think five stars on this as well. Mm. Uh, it's been a good year for me. It's been, been a really good year and there's been some good, interesting stuff. Yeah. 
So also Natalie Morales is in this yes, movie, and I we didn't even talk her. about her. But she's a bit of a breakout from this film. I know. I hope she gets lots of good roles now because she's always great in everything she's in. And yeah. The Middleman, which is her big kind of starring TV show, is one of my all-time favorite TV shows. She's so talented and I hope she does really well out of this. Mm. She's also queer. So. Yes. Queer I, and a woman of color. Yeah. Um, queer woman of color getting to play a queer woman of color in the movie. So that's yeah, good. Yeah. So, and, and I'm really, yeah, I'm really and excited And they cast actual Australians as the Australians. It's oh, like I they know. actually put effort what into casting. What a relief casting. that was. <laughs> I mean, with the villains, but, you know, actual Australians. I know, but it's it's just a relief on our ears. I yeah, think yeah. more than anything else. So. When we get to hear accents that aren't jarringly horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, it's just a relief. Because they, they, they also, it just sounds so much more natural around like mm. real American accents when you hear real Australian accents. That's right. Yeah. Um, Andrea Riseborough really threw me with that American accent too. Yeah. I was like, I yeah. couldn't, I didn't recognize her with the accent in the hair. Mm. Yeah. No, I Although I think the last thing I saw her in was, um, was it that Tom Cruise movie? No. Cause she was in it. I think she's the, in things and I forget. She was in Birdman and she was yeah. also in, um, WE and I don't think she plays British in either of them. Yeah. She I plays, um, what's her name? The her. famous American woman in WE. The, um, Wallace Simpson. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I would you. not have picked that casting. Okay. Yeah. She's in the seg- segments that Oscar Isaac isn't in. <laughs> ah, okay. But yeah, that's why I watched that movie. <laughs> uh, but I didn't recognize her. Oh, I, okay, I'll do the wrap-up then. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Battle of the Sexes or some of the other movies that she watches, check her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to come find us on social media, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh, I forgot to talk about – um. I want to know how they filmed the tennis scenes. Like, how do you choreograph a tennis match? That must be so much work. Well, I, I mean, it wasn't Steve Carell and no, no, but with they, they had tennis doubles, yes, yeah. But like the actual choreographing of the tennis match must have been taken a lot of work, and yeah. they all were amazing, and all the shots were so good. Oh my god, it just it, but it also didn't look at all like Steve Carell and Emma no. Stone had put any effort into learning how to play tennis no. for it because they just kind of like uh, oh, Billie Jean's got to serve. We're going to pull the camera back. <laughs> they vamped. Yeah, you know? that's right. They definitely vamped. Yeah. And it, but it was all integrated nicely. Yeah, it worked yeah. fine. They, but they just it looked like they were vamping. Well, the fun thing about movies is you also get like twenty decent minutes of tennis matches to watch. Yeah, that, I mean that was the thing though. It was like it was well done. You kind of could follow what was going on. They kept us a bridge mm. of the a bridge. Is that the right word? No, abreast. Abreast. Thank you. God, my, I'm not well <laughs> um, of the score, so that we mm. could kind of like follow along mm. well enough to know but without like pulling us away from the excitement of the match yeah it was really um, good. well done plenty of shots of all the people in the stands that we've now come to know and love being excited and things like that's great yeah having all the like women together supporting was great yeah that was so just sweet. really clever and really well done mm. yeah okay i'm gonna stop now